Well, this evening we'll continue on with a uh, study that we looked at this morning, and and uh, we're talking about studying about the unjust gain. And uh, I've heard that for many years, and I never did really understand it, uh, what it meant. I knew what it didn't mean, but I never understand what it really meant. And when somebody would bring that up, oh, unjust gain, well, that's, that's gambling, or that's buying a lottery ticket. And my question always was, well, is it only a sin if I win? If I don't win, is it not a sin then? Is it not unjust gain? So that was always my question, but that was as far as I went with it. I didn't really understand what it was talking about. So, uh, and they would uh, incorporate with that, you know, the casting of lots. You can read, and we studied that a few months ago, the casting of lots. And they, well, that's dice, and that's gambling. That's a game of chance. Well, if you study the lots, it was not a game of chance. Nothing is of chance. The Lord is in control. The Lord is a determiner of the lots. So anyway, we, we were studying this unjust game, and... Uh, so we said, okay, if there's an unjust gain, is there a just gain? And we looked, and we'll look maybe more this evening, uh, some had great gain to their master. So is that good or bad? Depends on who the master is. If it's a wicked master or, or following uh, uh, the devil or something, then and giving him gain, certainly it would not be good to our Lord, whom all gain belongs. So, and I'll start with, we read in Proverbs chapter 28, and we'll just start there this evening. Proverbs 28 and uh, verse 8. So we didn't really find uh, this unjust gain uh, connected to gambling necessarily. But we did see here in Proverbs 28 and 8, he that by interest, your Bible may say usury, and, and both of them are, are, are okay with me. It's, it's the same thing. Usury is okay. Uh, interest is okay. Schofield has interest, and I'm okay with that as well. He that by interest or usury and unjust gain increases his substance. He shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. So this, these that have this, uh, uh, get, gather this interest or usury or gain, it's not really going to be theirs, is it? It's gathering for those. So it would be given to someone else the gain that they seem to have. Uh, so we looked at this and... Uh, this, what we did see in the law of Moses, if you loan someone money or you loan someone uh, uh, bushels of wheat, if you, if you loaned them 10 bushels of wheat, you got back 10 bushels of wheat. You didn't get any gain from that because that was being considered of oppression. Now, you could have gain from the world, but... God's people, you got no usury, you got no interest from them. And uh, again, we'll see that tonight, uh, Lord willing. But uh, so as we studied this, how much gain, how much usury 
how much glory, how much gifts do we deserve? We all know the answer to that. It's zero. Well, who deserves all the honor and glory? Our master. So all gain, and, and you can say, well, we have, we have the Lord's sheep will have gain. Uh, they will have crowns and so forth. So that's gain to them. What do they do with those crowns? Revelation, they cast them before the feet of the Lord who deserves all gain, honor, and glory. So we uh, was talking about that this morning, and we left off with, okay, just how much gain, just how much glory are we to keep? And uh, let's start out in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We started out with... Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 and 2, what Paul said, said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ him crucified. So he didn't give any gain, any honor and glory to us. And we'll see that certainly uh, that is what it will continue to be, that we deserve no gain. We deserve no honor and glory. Yes, we will have gain, but the gain is not ours. It's, it's from the Lord. So in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 3 and verse 5. Again, we're looking to see if we're due any gain. 2 Corinthians 3 and 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. If you happen to turn your television on on Sunday morning or any, any other day with a religious channel, this is not what you hear. This is not giving all honor and glory to the Lord. Our sufficiency is God. They tell you that your sufficiency, it's in yourself. You take the first step. You make the right decisions. So they give you these, well, we talked this morning about gifts as well. Uh, they offer these gifts. And we read scriptures this morning where we're to hate those gifts that they, that they offer, that they offer up. But our sufficiency, uh, not that we are sufficient of ourselves, and we're not. I don't use the terminology often enough, but we're totally depraved. To think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. That's where all the... Yes, we may have gain, certainly uh, our eternal life and so forth, but it all comes, all the honor and glory goes, and the gain goes to our Lord, not to ourselves. There's nothing within ourselves. And in 2 Corinthians, the uh, fourth chapter, and verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Again, you turn that television on Sunday morning. I didn't this morning, but most Sunday mornings I do. And go through those channels, and I probably shouldn't do that, but, uh, but I do. But this says we preach not ourselves. But on that television, you hear them preaching themselves. What they have done what they don't do, the choices they made, their free moral agency, all that. But what are they doing? Preaching themselves, the way to glory. 
is through their cells. But again, does that gain belong to us? And the answer is no. Uh, chapter 5 and verse 21 of 2 Corinthians. So as we read this, see where the gain, see where the honor and glory goes to. 5 and 21. For he hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. How do they tell you to have your righteousness? I've heard so many times somebody pass away. Did they make themselves right with God? You've heard it, no doubt. Did they make themselves right with God? As if, again, it's up to us. But this does not declare that. For he hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, not in ourselves. Uh, let's go on in Galatians chapter 2. Just reading a few scriptures to show that the gain uh, doesn't belong to us. We have no gain of ourselves. Galatians 2 and 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Again, you turn that television on, what do you hear? We're justified by the works of the law and whatever else they can cook up. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall not very many be justified. Well, we kind of messed that up a little bit, didn't we? For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But what does the world teach us? Justified by what you do and what you don't do. So they're giving the gain. They're giving the glory to man. Ephesians chapter 1. And again, I, uh, Gene made mention here a few weeks ago, uh, open your Bible to the book of joy, and he's talking about revelations. Well, a lot of times I'll say open your Bibles to uh, the hated book of Ephesians because I've heard on television, I mentioned before, this guy said, I said a lot of things about what I heard on television. I don't listen to it that much, <laughs> but... Uh, he said, if those Baptists didn't have the book of Ephesians, they wouldn't have anything. And I like to say, but we do have the book of Ephesians. And we have the same thing throughout the scriptures. That gives the gain to our master and not ourselves. So, very familiar. I read it a lot. We talk about it a lot. But let me just read it again. And see where the gain, where the glory belongs to. Ephesians 1, and let's just start in verse 4. According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. How can we take any gain upon ourselves with that? And Linda, as we was, you mentioned many times, we was talking about lunch today. Can't they see this? What do they say about this? How do they, how do they get our righteousness and our works and our free will out of this? Well, they say things like, 
Like the guy said, if those Baptists didn't have his book of Ephesians, they wouldn't have anything. But they can't see. At least at that time, we don't know when the Lord will open one's eyes. So what can we, what gain can I claim to myself as something that took place before the foundation of the world? And the answer is none. Now there was a gain to me because God chose me in Christ before the foundation of the world, but that, that, the gain from that belongs to the Lord because I didn't earn that and wouldn't have that. Having predestinated us to the adoption of son Gene, I don't think you do it as often as you used to, but used to you didn't predestination. It is a, uh, several years ago I had to go to a speech pathologist to try to learn how to talk so I wouldn't damage my vocal cords. And uh, there went my singing career. But anyway, but uh, so she was teaching me how to talk and how to use my voice and put a cushion of air between my vocal cords. So, and it was every Monday I would go see her. And uh, so apparently I was doing okay on, she'd say, say this sentence or do this or do that. And she knew that I was a teacher or pastor or something. And she said, well, I tell you what, you're doing pretty good in all these things. She says, now I want you to preach to me on Monday morning what you preach on Sunday night. And I thought, oh my. <laughs> well, the first couple of times it was very clinical. And then it just went away from the clinical with just questions and answers. But one of the things I never will forget, she said, she says, well, we're kind of still in the Bible belt here. She says, that word predestination is a dirty word through here. And I said, well, actually to most it is. It's, it's a dirty word to most. In fact, it's hated. I told you the story. I'll mention it again tonight. I'd heard about a building with a steeple not too far from here where it was said, if you use the word predestination in the building or anywhere on the premises, you was automatically excluded. And I'd heard that story, and I was in Florida talking to Brother Dan Allen, one time, I said, do you remember hearing anything about this? He said, I was there, and yes, that's true. Use the word predestination, automatically excluded. Well, why? Takes all the and glory away from man and gives it to the Lord. And our nature, our natural nature, hates that. First uh, 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace through which he had made us accepted in the beloved. He made us accepted. How do we get any gain from that? How do we take any glory to ourselves for that? And it's just, it's just not there. In whom we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins, according to, and it's according to something, but according to the riches of his grace. Not according to what I do, not according to what you do. And again, there's no gain for us to claim here. It's all the honor and glory goes to our Lord. And Bill, you read in the second chapter of Ephesians this morning, and, and uh, very good. I want to just read verse 8 there. For by grace are you saved, through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. No boasting in it for us. No, no gain that we have done. All the, the gain, honor, and glory goes to our master. 
And one more here in Romans uh, chapter 3. Makes it clear as well. But just reading all this to establish that... Well, let me say this. So if we did claim some of this gain, if we did claim some of this glory, what kind of gain would it be? Unjust gain. So Romans 3 and... uh, Verse 9, David, I know this chapter is dear to you as it is to all of us, hopefully. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Greeks that they're all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. We can't claim anything there on ourselves, can we? There is none that understand it. There is none that seeketh after God. I always like the pause on that. And you say, well, I seek after God. And what it's saying here is, no, you don't. You might be seeking after God, but that's not you. Our nature would be seeking after the things that glorify man. Or our, our nature would be to collect that unjust gain and give it to ourselves. Uh, they're all going out of the way. They're all together become unprof- unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. And then all the way down to verse 27. Uh, well, where's boasting then? It's excluded. There's no gain and glory of gain for you and I. It's excluded. Where's boasting then? It's excluded. By what law? Of works? Boasting not excluded by the letter of the law of Moses. But it says, nay, but by the law of faith. So boasting is excluded. We can't claim any of that gain of ourselves. If we did, it would be unjust gain, unjust glory that doesn't belong to us. Uh, So I think we've established that uh, there's no gain belongs to us. that we deserve, that we can claim, that we can boast in. But yet many do claim and boast. And I want to read where one did. And, and as we do, must understand who he was glorifying. Uh, Daniel chapter 4. We go there a lot as well. Daniel chapter 4, have Nebuchadnezzar here, had this dream. Uh, or did I say Daniel had a dream? Anyway, Nebuchadnezzar had the dream, and Daniel was going to interpret the dream for him and uh, told him that the kingdom was going to be taken away temporarily until he learned certain things. And uh, Daniel 4 and, and verse 25 that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the fields, and they shall make thee eat grass with oxen. They shall wet thee with the dew of the heaven, and, till, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and give it to whomsoever he will. So this was told to Nebuchadnezzar. So he heard this, and it was, it was um, something that stuck with him. That his kingdom will be taken away. And it says till seven times. I kind of think of seven years, but that's my opinion. So then we, we drop down 
verse uh, 29. At the end of 12 months, where did these 12 months start? When Daniel interpreted that dream to him, he said, hey, this king is going to be taken away from you for a while. 12 months passed by. I don't know how he marked it on his calendar, but 12 months passed by, and he said, well, wait a minute. There's nothing going to happen to me. And listen to what he said. Uh, in verse 30. And see if he was, had any gain or glory for himself. Or did he give someone else the glory and the gain? And we know the answer to that. Verse 30. The king spoke and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? For the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? So was he boastful? Yes, he was boastful. Was he taking this unjust gain to himself? And absolutely he was. But he was doing more than that. He, was, uh, he wasn't the first one to have these thoughts. We know the religious world is full of it. I, what I, buddy, now you've talked many times. They talk about four-letter words and curse words and everything like that. Well, this I is one of the worst ones that there is. I, what I have done. This kingdom is not going to be taken away from me. I built it. My power, my majesty. So... Again, he wasn't the first one to think this. Where did this come from? Who was he serving? Now, he didn't know who he was serving, but who was he actually serving? Uh, uh, and John talks about uh, serving your, your, uh, your father, the devil, your master, the devil. So was he serving the devil? Isaiah Chapter 14, surely he was serving the devil. The doctrine uh, of the devil is exactly what he was saying there, taking the honor and glory to himself. And, and Satan in Isaiah 14 said exactly the same thing that Nebuchadnezzar did, both of them taking gain and honor and glory, but it was unjust gain. Isaiah 14, verse uh, 12 How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, who didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit among the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So, Nebuchadnezzar, I built this kingdom, my might, my majesty, was serving Satan's doctrine. That's the master. Giving all the honor and glory to ourselves or to their master, the devil. He says, yeah, it's, it's all what you do. No honor and glory to the Lord, no gain to the Lord. All to themselves. So, I'll ask the question now. Should the gain or the glory 
be given to the master. Depends on who the master is. So those that are serving Satan uh, certainly shouldn't be giving honor and glory to Satan. And if you're giving it to man, it's the same as giving it to Satan. I want to read where some gave gain to the master, their master. Acts chapter 16. And uh, so we're going to read here about one that was giving great gain to the master, which was not the Lord. That's not who they were serving. Giving great gain. And then something changed, we're going to read here. And they no longer gave glory to the master. And it was not smooth sailing for them after that. They were not loved. They were, well, we'll read it and see. Uh, Acts chapter 16. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain maid, possessed with the spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Soothsaying basically is a prophecy, and you can go into more details. Basically, it's a prophecy. But brought her masters much gain. By the grace of God, from this pulpit and this building and the old building, the evil master was not given gain. But here, this one was giving uh, a gain to master. And it said, so the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, who show unto us the way of salvation. So talking about uh, uh, Paul. And said, so these are the ones that show us the way. Do you think he, well, we know what way Paul pointed them. I determined not to know anything among you, say Jesus Christ, him crucified. That's the way that Paul taught them. It wasn't these other ways. I will what, what you will and then don't will. So anyway, so uh, talking about Paul to show us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And they came out in the same hour. Now, you think, oh, everything's going to be good for her that the spirit was cast out and everything. And now she knows the way of salvation because Paul taught her it's going to be really good for her now. Well, spiritually, yes. Verse 19, and when her masters, the ones she had given much gain to, and when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. Well, what were they doing to trouble city? Tell them about the way of salvation. But what did that do? Took away the gain of the, whom they were serving. The honor and glory no longer was going to them. It was going to the Lord, which was the way of salvation. But caused trouble in the city. 21. 
and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them to prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. So here, one was giving much gain to her wicked master. Paul came teach, casting this uh, spirit out of her, teaching this is the way of salvation. And the masters, no more gain to them, no more honor glory. I remember a man one time, I was in a particular business and he was a regular salesman that uh, called on me, or actually a delivery person. And uh, he was trying to get me saved. As I had a few people, because um, I didn't, well, anyway, uh, trying to get me saved. And so it was, came to a time of the year that they uh, uh, call Easter. And uh, this man had just rededicated his life. And he was really on fire and everything. And uh, I said, well... I gave him some questions. I said, well, here's a math problem for you. 72 hours. How do you, what you're teaching, how do you get 72 hours that in the grave and everything? Well, I need to ask my pastor about that. So he'd go back and ask his pastor. And actually, this delivery, was, this man was there two days a week. And he'd come back, and, and uh, so I'd give him some more questions. And these questions, I, I don't remember what they were, but that, certainly they was taking honor and glory away from man. No gain for us. But he would go back. And it wasn't long he says, well, my pastor said I shouldn't talk to you anymore. Taking away their gain, their honor and glory. Man doesn't like that. Uh, and that's what took place here. Uh, in uh, Isaiah chapter 33, we see about the, the gain of oppression there. Isaiah 33. Isaiah 33 and verse uh, 15. He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly he that despiseth the gain of oppression and restraineth his hand from holding of bribes or gifts, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of the blood and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil, he shall dwell on high, his place uh, of defense shall be the stronghold of rocks, bread shall be given him, and his water shall be sure. So this one that walks uprightly despises this gain of oppression because again uh, putting this gain of oppression on them uh, is usury in other words you earn your way there's a price for salvation well there is a price of salvation but not one that we pay but he says there's those that walk uprightly they despise the gain of oppression 
gang of oppression. Yeah, that doesn't, well, oppression, putting people under bondage. There's a gain there for some. And, and let's read it in, in Acts chapter 15, very familiar scripture with you. Some, even coming down from the first church at Jerusalem, didn't understand yet. Their eyes certainly hadn't been fully opened. Uh, but they were putting him under oppression. Acts 15, and I'm going to take the time. Let's go back to verse 1. And certain men who came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the man of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, Paul uh, taught some there with that, the uh, uh, soothsayer that brought much gain, taught them the way of salvation, but it was the Lord Jesus Christ. So now they're talking about, uh, uh, except you be circumcised after the man of Moses, you can't be saved. So we've got another way going on here. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem and to the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought in the way by the church, the church sent them, church authority, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria declaring the conversation of the Gentiles and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and elders and they declared all the things that God had done with them. But there rose up a certain of the sect of the Pharisees who believed. Now what that means is a lot of the Pharisees believed that uh, Jesus was of Beelzebub. Well, these didn't believe that. But they believed. Certainly we'll see they didn't understand. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees who believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. So we're going to have a discussion here. Do we keep the law of Moses? Is that the way of salvation? And the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when they had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles of my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knoweth the hearts, bore them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why put God to the test? To put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. Now, a yoke is what they put over the shoulders of a beast of burden, which connected them to this heavy load that they would be pulling. So he says here, why do you put this yoke? Why do you connect this heavy burden to them? And he goes on to say, our fathers couldn't bear it. We can't bear it. But you continue to put this yoke, let me say yoke of oppression, because that's what we're talking about. We should hate the gain of oppression. But they were, uh, oppression here was exactly what was taking place. So he says, you're putting this yoke. You're fastening this heavy burden to them, but they can't carry it. Our fathers couldn't carry it. We can't carry it. Why are you oppressing them? And then we have the 
true answer, which takes away the gain that they would get, says, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. It's not through, it's through his grace, not through our righteousness or our obedience or anything like that. It's through his grace. So this was a uh, game of oppression. They oppressed them. They put them under bondage. And that's what, the, that's what the world does. And then they take that honor and glory. You do all these things, and then you'll be saved. Well, we have a lot to, be, uh, to boast about. But we are read now. There's no boasting in that for us. But that's unjust gain. In the uh, book of Micah, we may go there. Uh, Micah chapter 4. Uh, let's see. Micah chapter 4, near the end of the Old Testament there. And we see an uh, event going to take place here. But we talk about this gain, this unjust gain, that they, they get this unjust gain, they extract usury and everything from it, and, and the gain of oppression and everything. We see that, but is it actually gain? Do they really keep this? Is it actual gain? One place in the scriptures, it says, take away what he hath. Another place in the scripture says, take away what he seemeth to have and give to this one. But here, so we're going to see there's a gain here. Do the, is it actual true gain? Do they keep it? And in uh, Micah 4 and verse 11. Now also many nations are gathered against thee that say, let, let her be defiled, and let our eye look upon Zion. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel. For they shall gather, they shall gather them as the sheaves into the floor. So they're going to gather. Arise and thresh, O daughters of Zion, for I will make thine horn iron, and I will make thy hooves bronze, and thou shalt beat in the prices, uh, beat in pieces many people. And I will, listen to this, I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord, and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. So there may be some that seem to have gain, the gain of oppression, the gain of usury and all that, they seem to have great gain. Uh, one man said, I made it my mind a long time ago I was going to heaven. Another man says, I hope that when God dips the dip net down in the sea of men that I've been good enough to be a keeper. So they had a lot of, of gain that they give to themselves. Is it true gain? Is it real gain? As we think of the parable of the talents. And, uh, well, let's just go there. Probably don't have time, let's go there. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. So we see, uh, uh, well, let's just go there. Matthew 25 and... and uh, uh, there's a lot in Matthew 
chapter 25, of course. But verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a country, a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And certainly believe this is a picture of our Lord, and we know what good, what he has that is, is good. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to everyone according to his ability, straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made other five talents. You say, well, but he had gain. Well, pause for a moment. Who did he give the gain to? We see it was the Lord, wasn't it? His master. Uh, then he that had received five talents went and traded with the same and made other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two also gained other two. And we know what he did with those two, or now four. But he that had received one went and dug in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And I've looked at this different ways through the years, but he did hide it in the earth. Hit it in earthly wisdom. So, well, we see what the results of that is. So, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth him. So he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them uh, uh, five, or five talents more. So he was giving them, of course, to his master, to his Lord. His Lord said to him, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. But one point I want to make, he was giving this gain, <coughs> giving this gain unto his master, unto his Lord. Now, what we read there about the soothsayer, she was giving gain to her masters, but it wasn't the Lord. Uh... 22, he also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord uh, said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So again, there was, there was gain here. But did this servant keep the gain to himself? And the answer is no. Give it to his master. Give it to his Lord. But we see one here that is different. Uh, verse 24. Then he that had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee. And we're going to see he actually didn't know him. But anyway, he's, this was what he thought he knew. Lord, I knew thee. That thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not spread. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou uh, hast what is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not spread. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. And then at my coming, I should have received mine own with interest. So the Lord is to have gain. We are not. We don't claim the gain. We don't claim the glory. Certainly the Lord does. But then goes on and says, 
Take therefore the talent from him and give it to him who hath ten. What do we read there in Micah? All their gain is going to be given unto the Lord. Their substance is going to be given to the Lord. So what they thought was gain is going to go to where it should go, to the Lord. So we see this here, this one that had the one, even it was given to the one that had ten. So did the one that had ten have true gain? What did he do with it? He gave it to the Lord. So we see the gain. We don't keep the glory. It all goes to the Lord. Uh, Did he know the Lord? He said, oh, I knew, I, I knew you. He said, I knew, uh, what was it? Uh, I knew thee, thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not spread, and I was afraid. And I, I mentioned this this morning. I remember Linda, many years, well, both of them got two Lindas here tonight, but uh, many years, I was afraid. And I've mentioned to this church, I didn't want to think about God. I didn't even want to drive past the old building, church building out of Arabia. I didn't want to think about God. I was afraid. I didn't know him. I mean, he knew me, but I didn't know him. What was it I didn't see? I'd be, David, I'd begin to study the scriptures. And I remember my first study, well, the first study of scriptures, I tried to find my name, and didn't have success there. But my next study was, okay, I was going to, I'm serious, I'm going to study this. Started in Genesis 1 and 1, I went all the way through. And uh, I got up in the law of Moses, and I was burying it in earth, earthly wisdom, and I was afraid. What didn't I see? Oh, I saw a hard man. And I was afraid. What didn't I see? I didn't see grace and mercy. This one didn't see grace and mercy. So, he said, I was afraid. And let me mention this too. And this might be a little bit of my opinion. You can study it and see if it's uh, your opinion or not. But So, he said, I, I was afraid. And he said, here, you, you gave me a talent, I buried it, and no gain from it. But he said, here, I knew you was an hard man, and I was afraid, but here it is. We didn't read it, we talked about it, mentioned this morning. Under the law of Moses, as we said, you wasn't allowed to collect usury. If I, if I loan you this, I wasn't allowed to have this plus usury. So they were saying to the Lord, basically, in the parable, I knew you was a hard man, and you don't deserve this, but here, this is what you deserve. I'm giving you back what you had under the law. That's all you can have. You don't get usury from this. But he didn't understand grace. Neither did I for many years. I just didn't, uh, just didn't understand. 
I wanted to go, and we're out of time. We may take this up again. I'd like to, for you to think on this, this uh, unjust gain and, and everything uh, like that, where they would get gain, but it was unjust gain. It wasn't deserving to them. And, the, and they would get gain to their masters, to their wicked masters, be gained to the wicked masters. But we see the opposite of this taking place. And again, what Lord willing will take us up maybe next Sunday. We see a place where the opposite of that is taking place. Instead of getting gain for the master, they've done just the opposite. And it's called, my Bible says, the parable of the unjust steward. And there's a lot of players in that. And, and what we see here, this, this steward had masters. And it doesn't tell us, but I believe for a period of time, he was having gain for his masters. And he would go out, and these people would borrow wheat and whatever, buy from his master, and he would go out and he would collect it. And so I believe he was giving gain to his masters for a period of time. doesn't say that, but that's what I believe uh, that it was. But there was a change in this steward. So he went out, and now instead of giving gain to his masters, like the soothsayer, quit getting gain for her masters. So now this steward, who my Bible has a top, subtopic, says unjust steward, which is not how it should be. But anyway, so he was going out, and now instead of having gain for his masters, he said, how much do you owe my master? All ten bushels. Well, take your bill and write five. He was destroying the gain of his masters. So, Lord willing, we may talk about that again, but the unjust gain, is it going to the dog track or going to Vegas or buy a lottery ticket? If you say yes, I'm going to say, is it still a sin if you don't win? So, the unjust gain, it's gain that we don't deserve. All the honor and glory goes to our Lord. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.